Workforce Health Engagement, Episode 20. Does your company make these six common wellness mistakes? Featuring Beth Bierbauer from Humana. Welcome to Workforce Health Engagement, a show exploring strategies to improve your employees' health and productivity and to protect your bottom line. Join us as industry experts discuss how to engage employees in population health management, wellness, and healthcare consumerism. This is a special series by the producers of the top-rated podcast, Engaging Leader. And now, with 20 years of experience as a communication consultant to Fortune 500 companies, helping engage hundreds of thousands of employees, here's your host, Jesse Leahy. Welcome to the show, Engagers. Our guest is Beth Bierbauer, president of the employer group segment at Humana. Today, more than 80% of large and mid-sized employers offer wellness programs, And more than two-thirds offer financial incentives for employees to take various wellness steps. But recent surveys show that only half of employers believe their wellness program works, and only 44% of them have actually evaluated the effectiveness of their program. Today, we'll discuss six common wellness mistakes that employers are making and what you can do to avoid these pitfalls. Beth Bierbauer, thank you for joining us on Workforce Health Engagement. Thanks, Jeff. Good to be with you today. Beth, what is the landscape of today's wellness programs and how employers are measuring them? First of all, employers are continuing to invest in in wellness programs. And I think more and more employers are starting to measure, but they're measuring in new and different ways. Traditionally, um, employers and health plans measure the success of a wellness program by looking at reduced health care claims, reduced costs. And, you know, more individuals now are stepping back and saying, that's important, but what about other areas besides healthcare costs? What about, you know, my workers' compensation claims? What about absenteeism? Are people missing fewer days at work? Are my people more productive when they're here at work because they feel engaged, because they feel healthier, because their mental well-being is better? So I do, I do see employers both buying in but also looking beyond the traditional measures when they're looking at the benefits that a wellness program can provide to them. Well, speaking of measures leads to the topic of what kind of goals that you're suggesting that employees set. And you said that the first mistake that many employers are making is they impose goals on employees rather than empowering them to set their own goals. Can you tell us about that? Sure. You know, many, uh, many programs um, will provide you with a pathway and, and provide you with a goal based upon general information you provide. And, and maybe it's around weight loss. And maybe that goal will be preset that says you're going to lose, you know, 5% of your, of your uh, weight in, you know, five weeks. I'm, I'm making that up. But when in reality, you may sit there and say, gosh, that's, sort of scary for me. If I could lose a half a pound a week uh, for five weeks, that might be better. That might be better for me. Um, 10,000 steps is, you know, that that figure is is known out there across the industry. And it's important. We know that um, it's important to walk 10,000 steps. But if you're walking 3,000 steps today, to get to 10,000 steps pretty quickly could be viewed as insurmountable by you. 
So how do you start to allow your employees to set their own goals to say, gosh, let me first just measure how many steps I'm walking uh, a day and reward them for starting to measure and then say, okay, I'm doing 3,000 a day, give or take. How do I get to 5,000? Then maybe how do I get to 7,000? So it's, it's really about meeting your employees where they are and understanding that the biggest fear and the biggest reason that many employees even fail to engage to begin with or give up very, very quickly is because the goals are really unattainable for many people out of the gate. They really have to develop a cadence and a rhythm at their own pace to be able to feel successful, and that starts with with smaller wins. Well, a lot of employers feel like they need to... uh, impose goals, I think, on their employees because their employees aren't sort of intrinsically motivated. And I guess because historically we assume we know what motivates employees. And so we say, hey, don't you want to lose weight? And uh, we just, so we, we sort of kind of plug them into that, that they want to lose weight. And when when they, we don't, they don't uh, respond to that, then we feel like we need to dangle a carrot in front of them and say, hey, if you'll get 10,000 steps, we'll give you this prize. But you've talked before about, I've heard you talk about, we shouldn't even assume that we know what motivates our employees, that a lot of times it's not those um, vague, uh, generic goals like, hey, lose weight, that truly motivates people. You're absolutely right. And you use the word intrinsic and intrinsic motivation. Um, what what we see is that most uh, programs suggest lose weight, eat better, exercise more. Well, most people understand that they probably need to do all of that, but that doesn't motivate them. When you truly get to intrinsic motivation, you'll, you'll find that when somebody can connect personally to a goal, they're more apt to, to start and to stick with that goal. So as an example, instead of saying lose weight, Many people would say, I'd, I'd like to be able to walk my daughter down the aisle and look, look a little bit better than I do today. I'd like to be able to play with my grandkids in the park and not get winded after, after two blocks. That's very real motivation for individuals. It's very personal. And when you allow them to really bring their personal motivation in and, and, and have that really override the technical um, goal, if you will, you will find that you will be able to, again, get them to get started and keep them on the path longer. And you continue to build upon that as as well. But it really is about not losing weight, but can I fit into my skinny jeans again? Can I go for a walk around um, the park without without feeling exhausted? Can I go out and do the activities on the weekends like golfing or watching my kid play soccer without really feeling tired. Those are the type of motivations we need to be able to call out of employees so that those can be front and center, and that can really be their focal point. And then losing weight, eating better, exercising more are means to get to those those goals. Well, the second mistake that you've talked about many employers making is they offer programs to meet certain goals, but they don't truly provide guidance. 
Um, how does a how can employers overcome that and provide better provide the how? Sure, you know, um, it it really is about helping people get started. We've done some research on this, Jess, and people will tell you, "I want to do the right thing. I want to be healthy." But how do I get started? I'm I'm afraid to walk into one of these fitness centers or gymnasiums in the condition that I that I look in. I, I wouldn't even know how to use a weight machine or 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 how to operate a treadmill. Um, I I I know I should eat better, but I'm not really sure I know what that what that means. I'm not really sure what's a good vegetable and what's a bad vegetable, as an example. So really breaking it down and 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 giving your employees the opportunity to learn in what we refer to as snackable bites, um, different behaviors and habits, and again, doing those very slowly so they don't become overwhelming. So when we think about eating better as an example, that can be pretty big for somebody who's eating a lot of the diff- a lot of things that really aren't great for you. And if you're somebody who's not eating fruits and vegetables on a regular basis, as an example, or you're eating dessert every night, trying to address all of that at once, again, is overwhelming. So how do you start with that individual and say, let's talk vegetables? You link them up with a health coach and have the health coach start to walk them through um, different pieces and aspects of a program so that they can, once they master something, then they can build upon that success and then they can take something on. But oftentimes, you know, we push an email out to our employees and say, here's our new incentive program. Here are the programs that you can take advantage of. And, boy, you can earn all these points. Again, that's really overwhelming for most people because they're saying, how do I get started? Well, if you can provide them with a resource that says, you know, the very first thing we want you to do is we want you to complete this health risk assessment. Let's just understand your numbers. That's breaking it up into those snackable bites really can help people get on get on a journey and stay on a journey. Well, connecting that with your first point that uh, about empowering them to set their own goals. It seems like a lot of off-the-shelf wellness programs may say they provide guidance or the the how to achieve goals, but how would you actually make that work if it's somebody's own goal that they've set it. Let's you know, if it's a personal, customized goal, not something that easily fits into a blast email. Um, how, how do you see that happening? Sure. So a great way, Jess, is for people to engage with health coaches. Health coaches are part of most wellness programs, and what a health coach can do is really help an employee understand what their true goal is. And then break down that goal into, again, those snackable bites. Helping them understand that this week, week one, we're going to work on X. And if it's still not mastered in week two, we'll continue to work on X. But if it is mastered in week two, then we'll move to the next step and the next step. And really help that individual break down the components of their goal so so that for them, they say, oh, you know what? gosh, losing 30 pounds is a big goal, but losing three pounds and walking one day during the week for 30 minutes, I can do that. So again, health coaches are a great way to be able to do that. The other aspect or um, opportunity that we see 
and we actually provide in, in one of our mobile apps, is that you can actually put your goals down like that, and, and we've created milestones that mirror what you would see a health coach help you with. And, and that's simply saying, you know what, this week I'm going to try to lose three pounds and I'm going to walk, walk one day or I'm going to try to lose a pound and walk one day during the week. So it allows you to break down your goal into really easy steps that you feel confident you can do. And also what, what we do is we allow you to put your personal intrinsic goal there and then even to put a face to it. So you can upload, if your goal is to walk, play with your grandkids in the park, you can upload a picture of your grandkids, and that's your goal. And that sits in part of your your um, goal plan, if you will, in, either in your mobile app or, or on, the, on the web. The other thing that I would share for um, employers who are sometimes worried that maybe their employees don't have access to digital technology is, um, you know, writing down on a piece of paper what your goal is and doing something very simple is is easy as well. And bringing people together, even if you don't have individual health coaches, bringing people together to share those goals and to support each other uh, is really beneficial as well. There's a lot of power in working with peers within an organization to help provide a support system um, to associates who, who really want to make a change. Hmm. Well, one more follow-up question before we move on to the third mistake, Beth, and that is you mentioned that health coaches are a very underutilized resource, and I've heard that a lot, especially with a phone-based health coach as opposed to an on-site health coach. What has been successful at Humana at increasing the engagement with health coaches? We've really done a lot to... um publicize uh, our health coaches and what they can do for our associates, um, number one, and really share examples. And we've shared examples of our own associates that have used health coaches and, and in their own words through videos and testimonials have been able to share what their health coach has done for them. And by using real examples, and by the way, our employees are, are more than willing to raise their hand and say, I want to tell my story, which is highly motivational for other employees mm. because they can look and say, gosh, Susie, gosh, Susie is similar to me. If Susie can do it, I can do it. But really showing real people using those services and how they really help them along their journey. The other thing we also will do is instead of it always being an inbound call, Depending on the program or depending on what our clients want, we will make outbound um, coaching available as well, where we will actually place a call to associates and just say, this service is available to you. Here's, here's what we do. The neatest thing that we recently did was in our mobile app, we eliminated the call to the coach, and we placed a button in your mobile app that says, press this button and you will get a coach. And in one month, we had 2,000 people press the button and get a coach, hmm. which was phenomenal. So we also tried to make it very simple and say, press the button, and we had a face of what a coach looked like. Press that button, you're going to get a coach. 
it created, I think, a little bit more of a personal connection than, say, dial this 1-800 number and talk to a coach because you're saying, gosh, I'm sort of dialing into a black hole. But touching a button, you can't make it any more simpler than that. And given the lift that we got within that first month of 2,000 associates saying, I want a health coach, we really think that that simplicity and that personal connection can really drive increased usage. Yeah, that is encouraging. It seems like it would a nice feature if you don't already have it, but at some point to add in the future would be is if the app would uh, include like a video so you could see who you're talking to as well. You're absolutely right. And what their strengths were and, and even what their journey was, mm-hmm. right? Because many of these folks that are health coaches are health coaches now because they had a personal health journey that they went through as well. Um, and, you know, we, we, agree, we agree with you. And so we're getting smarter about saying, how do we start to tell a little bit about these health coaches and let them share what their expertise is? So that somebody can say, gosh, you know, they really wanted to up their fitness routine. That's what I want to do. So maybe this health coach is a little bit better for me. Mm-hmm. But that human interaction really helps. And I will also um, share that when people use multiple channels on their health journey, typically they stay engaged longer. So if they're using a health coach and they're using a mobile app or they're going online or maybe they're using their peers at work, in a support group, and they're using an online app, multi-channel use also helps drive engagement. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. Well, the third mistake that employers make is relying on employees' self-reporting rather than verifiable actions. It does seem like the majority of the employers that I've worked with, they're they're primarily relying on self-reporting. How do you get away from that? You know, the wonderful world of devices has really helped us take this to um, a next next level. Um, You can now verify steps um, through a variety of applications. Uh, If people are wearing, um, you know, a jawbone, they're wearing a Fitbit, they're wearing a very simple pedometer as an example. Um, I think I, I mentioned in the article that, you know, you can go to the gym and say you've been at the gym, but did you really work out? A lot of the new equipment fitness equipment that's coming out there will actually upload your workout um, to one of these mobile apps that are available, which in turn can then lead it into your wellness program. I know when I step on my scale once a week, that information automatically uploads through my Fitbit application and then into my Humana Vitality program. And it makes it really simple for me, but it's, it's verifiable. So I don't have to go into the program and say, here's how much weight I've, I've, I've lost, if that's the journey that I'm on. Also, when I work out in the morning, that goes automatically through my Fitbit up into my Humana Vitality program. And I go in once every two weeks just to make sure that all my workouts have, been all, have all been tracked. But it's really, the verifiability is really important because the more data you can get and you can and you can use, you can start to see the impact then and the potential impact on healthcare costs, on absenteeism, and you can start to link um, some of this data. So we slice and dice data a lot of different ways. You know, we'll look at people, for example, that have um, Humana Vitality status of silver and above, and we'll be able to demonstrate, and we have demonstrated, that their increase in claims costs. Is they have a lower trend than people who aren't at a silver status or above. 
So it's important to really be able to verify because you 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 really want to be able to use this data in a meaningful way going forward, particularly if you're in the um, on the HR team or another team that's responsible for wellness to be able to share with your C-suite the type of um, uh, progress that you're making. And, and let me give you one example. We've been able to see, we have a 100-day dash every year for all Humana Associates. And what we've been able to see in our third year is that each year our new normal gets higher, meaning that when we started the program, the average number of steps worked uh, per day were somewhere, or walked per day, excuse me, were somewhere around just under 5,000. And now, several years out, the average number of steps walked per day are, are well over 8,000. Hmm. So we can see every time we do that dash, it raises to a new normal. That's a really strong indicator, even when you don't have other indicators as, as of healthcare cost reduction, that, hey, my people are out. They're getting moving. They're doing the right thing. And that's very beneficial to provide to a C-suite. You know, the... The, the get it that data is a win-win too with employees I think I, I just think of in my own personal health I don't even have anybody offering me an incentive and yet I track uh, I use Fitbit as well and especially the um, I like the Fitbit scale and I like I pretty much weigh myself every day and those having that immediate feedback on how what what did I eat yesterday and what was my physical activity like yesterday and I see that show up in the scale and then I can see the history over time of oh now I see where those extra five or ten pounds came from it sort of felt like it snuck up on me out of from nowhere but I can now see where that was happening that taps into some of those same motivators that drive gamification and video games and I think a lot of employees would find that useful. And, and if the incentive is encouraging, to give, encouraging them to give it a try, I think uh, more people would, would find it personally engaging. You know, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you when you mentioned incentives. And I want to share that incentives come in a variety of forms. Oftentimes when we think of incentives, we think about, gosh, am I going to have to pay my employees to do this? And some employers will say, You'll get a decreased contribution to your health plan, as an example. Maybe you'll get uh, a contribution to a, a health savings account or health reimbursement arrangement. Maybe they'll pay for you to take um, a health assessment. Some programs are tied to points. But beyond that, to your point, gamification is really important because you can start to get badges that say, hey, you walked over, you get a 10,000-step badge, for example, or you get a 5,000-step badge. If you're an individual that's still working, you know, early in their health, early in their health journey and working towards improvement, gamification is really, really important. Having also this social connectivity with your peers, whether it's your peers at work or peers and friends and family outside of work, there are many apps, and you know, we have these features in, in ours as well. But there are many apps out of there that when you finish something that you can actually then share it with um, with your friends, with your family. I just took a health quiz. I use I use a really neat, neat app, but I took a, a health quiz, and it allows me at the end, if I want to, to tweet it out or share it on Facebook or, you know, email it, email it to uh, friends or family. That's that's a neat kind of motivation that says, hey, look at look at me. I'm I'm sort of smart on this this one topic. So I wouldn't underestimate as an employer 
how important how important non-financial incentives are as well. <laughs> and I think it's really a number of incentives that are really, really helpful and not just a one-size-fits-all. I would also share that beyond incentives, the culture that you create in your organization is one of the most critical aspects to really helping your employees become engaged and stay engaged. That's a good point. Well, the you've also mentioned the the fourth mistake that many companies make is their wellness program overlooks the influence of family. Why is that so important? Well, family it are strong influencers. We've all heard the six degrees of separation. <laughs> and the closer people are to you who are unhealthy, the more likely it is that you're going to be unhealthy. And that even goes one and two levels out, even if it's a friend or a friend of a friend. So it's really important to be able to engage the, the family. If you think about mealtime as an example, it's really hard for somebody often to make their own meal and then make something totally different for a family or watch their family members eat something totally different where the family's having, you know, chicken parmesan and, and wonderful pasta and, you know, you're eating a salad. Engaging the family so that the family is also buying into and taking advantage of nutritional ha- habits and walking together and, and exercising together and doing helpful activities together really helps that particular individual who may have a um, a higher higher mountain to climb on their health journey than maybe the rest of the people in the family. Um, but we often see that when somebody, when one of our associates is struggling on their health journey, many of their family members typically are as well. So it really does take a village and it makes it easier for everybody to be able to achieve their health goals if everybody in that family is working in unison. You know, one of the great things about what's happening in the schools today is they're educating young kids about eating properly and, you know, the NFL's play 60 and all these neat things, is that the kids come home and they talk to parents about this and they sort of chastise their parents if they see something and they'll say, Daddy, stop smoking. It really, really is important for that whole family as a unit because that's a support system to really be engaged. And then it helps everybody out. You know, I was just thinking about those relationships outside of work in in the family and connecting that with what you just mentioned about the culture of health and how that's so much about the relationships that you have at work. Did they similarly support your uh, health improvement efforts? And I know Humana just recently did a... Uh, a study with The Economist, I believe, um, that and the whole culture of health topic came out really strongly in that, that um, employees said that it was really important to them that they that their, the whole culture there helped them to pursue their health and wellness goals, that, that they don't necessarily view their health as something separate from work. And that, so if the culture supports that, um, then it's a very attractive to employees. That's, uh, that's absolutely correct. Um, employees spend at least eight hours a day at, at work. And what the economist um, study helped demonstrate was that, you know, employees are actually willing to engage in, in programs that, that are part of work. 
if it becomes part of the social norm, meaning they're not out there trying to do it by themselves and and that, that the employer is making it easy for them. So if you have a wellness program as an example, yet when you have an employee luncheon, you have a, meet, a meeting over lunch, and you're bringing in heavy pasta and, and heavy meals and you have desserts and you have, you have snacks, that's really not embracing that culture of health and that's not helping your employees who really want to either improve their health or, or maintain their health. And so, so what, what we found is that employees are saying, I'm willing to buy in to um, what you're offering to me as an employee if you let it be more personal, number one. Number two, if I can, if I can get some um, support from my peers and from the, from the organiza- organization, because I want to feel a part of something. And, and that's what's really important to people on their health journey, ensuring that they can really feel like they're part of something greater. It's a greater cause than, than just themselves. The 100-Day Dash program that I, that I mentioned earlier is a really great example. We all formed teams. We, we did pickup teams. But the idea was collectively as an organization to, you know, pass a billion, I think it was a billion steps. Um, you, were part of, you were part of something bigger. That really helps motivate people and helps sustain that motivation. Well, the last two common mistakes are both have to do with data that can come out of the wellness program. Uh, number five is that employers haven't figured out that they should expect the reporting from the wellness program to tell them how well it's working. And number six is using that reporting data to benchmark themselves in order to create a a strategy based on their company priorities. It seems like a lot of employers almost let their wellness programs off the hook in this whole area of data and reporting. Yeah, at times times that does happen. More frequently what what we see is when data is shared, nothing really happens with it. And I'll tell you, at Humana, we're very serious about the data we have on our own associates. We have something called a well-being snapshot, and every year that well-being snapshot comes out. And as a leader, I'm measured, my performance is measured on three things. It's measured on the financial performance of the unit that I run, the engagement of my associates, and the third pillar is the well-being of my associates. So we take that data, and that data goes beyond physical health. Uh, we look at volunteerism, we look at um, 401k participation, and whether people are having budgetary issues, and we look at these collectively. So there is no deep dive where anybody can uncover any individual's information. And then we create action plans around one to three things every year that we, where we want to see the needle move. And by, do, by doing so, we can get very focused with our associates. We can get very public with our associates and say, here's the data. Here's, here's what our snapshot as an organization looks like. Here's what we believe collectively we'd like to work on. So as we proceed through the year, you're going to see initiatives from us that tie to those objectives. And oh, by the way, we would like you to create initiatives as well and actions that also support those objectives. The biggest thing that I would say to employers is take whatever data you have. You don't have to take all of it. Just pick a place to start. You may want to address 
BMI as an example, if that's an indicator that you get from your um, wellness program. By looking at BMI, you may say, gosh, I really want to focus on that because I have so many people with a high BMI. I know that's a tipping point for people who have prediabetes moving into diabetes. And once they move into diabetes, they're not coming back. And by the way, your costs are going to go up and your productivity is going to come down. So I encourage employers to take just one thing. Maybe it's walking more steps. Maybe it's BMI. Maybe it's financial health. Maybe it's helping educating your associates on how to budget better so that they don't take out one and two loans on their 401ks. But don't be afraid to just take one or two or three things and really get started. Sometimes I think when data is provided, people think that it isn't actionable. But if you just step back and you really look at it, you can find that for most pieces of data, you can turn that into a very actionable item. It seems like a lot of people get overwhelmed by the number of data points, and I think your point is very well said to just pick one or two, maybe three things. But I've seen a lot of data, especially like from Franklin Covey, that says if you pick one or two goals, research shows you're going to achieve one or two goals. But if you pick seven goals, you're probably going to achieve zero. And so it, if you can take the time to just for this period of time, let's figure out what's most important to us and engage as many different parts of our organization in achieving those goals, then we'll accomplish something that we feel really good about and that makes a real difference. That's right. And if you pick goals, um, for example, um, maybe you say collectively we want to lose, you know, 10,000 pounds in my in my organization. Let's say I'm a, a medium-sized uh, company, and I want to I want the organization to lose 10,000 pounds based upon what I see in my BMI data. Well, that can happen through a variety of ways, and people can personalize that. Where somebody says, mm. "Hey, you know what? I think I can be more active. I think I can try that." Somebody else says, "Hmm, I think I would be better at being more disciplined um, with with my diet." You can pick a goal but yet allow people to personalize their actions at an individual level, but yet everybody's still supporting that corporate-wide goal. And having a culture of health really does feel like a cause. I know for our population, we have a goal for our associates. Our, we want to improve the health of our associates by 20% by the year 2017. That's really important to us. And we have a lot of data points, and we take it, and it's very sophisticated, and we roll it up to a score. But very simply, for our associates, they know the score of their business unit and they know the score of Humana. And so they're looking at that one data point, but they're each saying, okay, if I want to improve that score, how am I going to contribute? And they can each contribute in very different ways. Beth, you mentioned culture of health again, and oh, that's such a big topic. It's definitely a high priority for a lot of employers. Where should an employer get started in truly moving the needle on engaging their people and creating this culture of health? You know, it really starts at the top, and then it gains momentum through the bottom. So let me explain that. It's really important to get a champion, at least one champion on your senior leadership team, and preferably um, more than one champion and the CEO or the COO, somebody who is really very visible in in your organization. What we have found is that when leadership walks the walk 
and also talk the talk, people understand then that it's something really important for the organization. So you can look at our CEO and you can see him either wearing his pedometer or see him wearing his, his Fitbit. And he talks about that when he has town hall meetings with associates, as an example. All of us talk about this. We also will make sure we're, we, we start to build in from a leadership perspective some well-being activity when we have an off-site or we have an all-day planning session or something like that. So leadership is really, really critical. And the more that leadership talks about this and the more that leadership demonstrates and, quite frankly, shares their journey, it's, it's really very beneficial to the associates. And then I also said it's bottoms up because we have the commitment at Humana from the leadership, but it is our associates through every level of the organization that decide what they want to do and how they're going to do it to achieve these goals. So we are not prescriptive. We allow our associates, what we've done is we basically opened up permission and said, this is your well-being journey, and you can decide within your community, for example, your your business unit, your geography where your office is located, you can decide what you folks want to do as teams. And by doing that, we have really gained substantial momentum with our associates who think up their own ideas of what they want to do to achieve health and well-being. And that ranges from everything from physical activity to um, healthy potluck lunches to volunteering, um, volunteering together and on and on and on. I, I had the opportunity to be in a meeting today where somebody was saying, you know, do you feel like this is a part of what you do? And I would share with you that it is in our DNA. There is nobody that has to um, tell us to do an action plan around health and well-being. We wait for that well-being snapshot to come out every year. Mm. We want to see our scores. Um, and, and throughout the entire year, we have associates that are telling us as leaders what it is that they're doing to achieve health and well, well-being. And again, it starts at the top, but then and you model the behavior, but then you also let your employees know and understand that we'll support you in what you want to do, but you guys determine what you think is best to you. And by the way, here are some tools and resources we have, health coaches, fitness programs, um, nutrition programs, so on and so forth, to be able to guide you through through that way. Wow, that's exciting. We're pretty passionate about this. Um, so, you know, I just I just shared we had our town, town hall today, Jess, I'll end it on this, and we asked people to send in their resolutions, and it was just, it was amazing to me. Um, we had one really... One guy said, I want to help my wife beat cancer this year. And uh, he sent that in last week and just learned yesterday she's cancer-free now. But people wow. wanted to they wanted to write a song a month. Uh, somebody wanted to start a book. Other people said, I want to do my first 5K. Um, you know, somebody said, I'm going to take a cooking class. It was just very, very inspirational. Um, the people are, they're not only committing to this, but they're willing to share publicly uh, what they're what they're doing. And I threw mine out there first uh, a, a month ago. I said I'm I'm going to lose I'm gonna, I need to lose some weight this year. I'm going to lose some weight, and so I've been very public about it. And they've seen my journey, and uh, so I told them 
how much weight I've lost uh, to date. I've lost a few pounds to date. I told them at some point I might stop telling them how many pounds I've lost. <laughs> but um, it really is neat that, that we've created this culture that people can have that open dialogue and not feel embarrassed or un- uncomfortable. What was the mechanism or format where people were sharing this stuff? Was it just uh, stand up in front of a microphone and tell it to the group? Uh, we have a webcast. So what we ask them to do, every month we ask them to do something different. Um, and Because we like to uh, co-create our webcast with our associates so that they get greater value rather than me just standing up there as a talking head. So they sent in their um, they sent in their resolutions, and we probably got about sixty resolutions that people sent in. Mm-hmm. And as people are waiting for the webcast to start, um, we have them on the screen, and they're rotating through. Um, in the past, we've done uh, we well over the holidays we did the ugly sweater, um, mm-hmm. but we've done you know what does health look like to you, so people can take you know a picture of what health looks like to them. Um, and we just find ways. And so this is a business meeting. That, that, that this Our webcast is a business meeting, but at every meeting we do, we determine how in some way, shape, or form to incorporate well-being. And, you know, we throw something out there, and then the associates just just grab onto that and really connect. I, I have to tell you, I was reading through them today, and I had to <laughs> – I sort of had to – suck it up a little bit because I was getting a little teary-eyed because oh. um, it was some of these things are really personal and some of them are really fun. I haven't seen a donut in Humana in about eight years. <laughs> I mean, and nobody's ever said, you can't bring donuts in the office. <laughs> it's just it's just not our norm again. It's it's fruit and you see and you see people eating fruit and you see people snacking on healthy snacks and it's just it's just because we've adopted this culture, leadership stands out and talks about it, and we've given our freedom, our, our, our associates the freedom. There isn't a day that goes by, Jess, that I don't get at least one email from our associates telling me what their team is doing on their, well, on their wellness journey that day or that week. Wow. It's really exciting. Yeah, I love it. Well, Beth, where can folks find out more about you and about the, the work and the wellness uh, programs and, and options that Humana provides? Well, sure. You can always come to Humana.com and you can find some information about the uh, study we did with The Economist there and information about our wellness programs. But I also always offer my email address because I love to hear from people and that's bbeerbauer at Humana.com. Uh, would be happy to talk to anyone more about, um, you know, not not just the programs we offer, but how we really can engage people in their in their health and how we can really be your health partner as an employer. Beth Bierbauer is president of the Employer Group segment at Himiana. Beth, thanks for joining us on Workforce Health Engagement. Thank you, Jeff. All right, Engagers, that wraps up this episode. We'll provide the information and links that Beth mentioned on our show notes for this episode. You can find the show notes at engagingleader.com forward slash WHE2020, as in Workforce Health Engagement Episode 20. And while you're on the show notes page, you can engage with us by providing your thoughts or questions in the comments section or by clicking the red Send Voicemail button. You can also engage with us at facebook.com forward slash engagingleader or on Twitter where I am at Jesse Leahy. 
Workforce Health Engagement is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm that specializes in workforce communications, helping mid-sized and large employers attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results in several areas, not only health engagement, but also talent management, benefits and compensation, business transformation, and more. Find us at AspendaleCommunications.com. If you enjoy this series, be sure to check out the leadership podcast, Engaging Leader, where my guests and I share ways to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. You can find both Workforce Health Engagement and Engaging Leader podcasts in iTunes, Stitcher, and on our, on our website at engagingleader.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, Cecily Leahy, our web intern, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, over the long term, a program of the day won't help you boost employee health, productivity, and your bottom line. Nope. For sustainable success, you need an integrated approach to workforce health engagement. <laughs>